Man, think about that. Got his name on it. He never got to read the whole thing. Amen. Uh, certainly the conversations, and I guess it could have been his friends making some record of these things, but, but presumably Job probably passed down some of this truth, uh, to uh, those of his children and, and grandchildren and great grandchildren. But, but here's what he didn't know that you and I know. We know how chapter 42 goes. Job didn't know about chapter 42 till he lived chapter 42. He, he didn't know about that in them latter days till he got to them latter days. And sometimes I think, we feel as though, and this I think is where the predictions come in in society. People want to be able to feel like they have some firm grasp on the future. I saw a thing the other day that said, you know, I'm not really anymore after the past three years. I'm not so much as a, a conspiracy theorist as I am a looking around and things ain't adding up theorist. Amen. There's been things that have transpired and come to light over the past few years that I would have at one point, if you had told me those things, I would have helped you make a tinfoil hat for yourself. And yet they've been borne out to be reality and to be true around us. And, and now it seems there's a whole industry that is focused on this notion of believing that somehow we can look into the crystal ball of socioeconomics and, and human psychology and politics and come up with an idea of what's going to happen. Let me tell you something. I, you, you're going to be discouraged to hear this, but the people doing these things are already about six steps ahead of you. They have already guessed what you're going to guess and what you're going to guess based upon your guess. And there's a lot of money and time and energy that goes into all that. You know, as Bible-believing Christians, we don't even have to get involved in that mess. We can rest in a God that's eternal and immutable. We can rest in a God that is everlastingly faithful. And sometimes the reason we focus on that, we think if we could guess the result, if we knew how it was all going to turn out, somehow it would be better. But Job never knew. Not until he lived it did he know that things were going to turn out. Well, I know we all say, and the Bible's abundantly clear in the book of Romans, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And let me tell you something. You may not get that till heaven. You may, you may die with some things that you can't explain that have happened in your life. We can tell folks, well, one of these days it'll make sense, and it will. One day we'll know as even also we are known. But a hard, cold truth of life is there's plenty of people that go to their grave not understanding some of the things that have happened to them. Can you live that way? I'll tell you this, sometimes you're going to have to live that way. And you're either going to cast away your faith or you're going to learn to trust God in the midst of it. Listen, he didn't, he didn't know the result. And we say, well, preacher, if I knew it was all going to turn out right... I'd be okay. And sometimes we even downgrade from that and say, well, even if it's going to turn out bad, if I just knew how bad, here's the truth. You think you know that. You think you need to know that. You don't need to know that. I see he didn't know the reason or the reach or the result of his trial. But let me say this. He didn't know the record of his trial. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, as we've already said, one of the things that we've got that Job didn't have was the book of Job. And you say, well, preacher, why would that have been such an encouragement? Let me say this. One of the, one of the most difficult things when you're going through trials is feeling like nobody sees you. You remember the word of comfort that God gave to Hagar in the wilderness when she'd been cast out? God spoke to her and, and, and she named that place, uh, Barat Leharoi, uh, the God that sees me. 
she recognized and was comforted by the fact that though Abraham and Sarah had thrown her out, though she'd been chased from their home, though she as, a, as an Egyptian uh, bondmaid, she had no family, she had no resources, she had no help. Uh, she was so despondent, she just took her child and set him up under a bush to wait for him to die. And she was literally at a rope's end. And then here comes God speaking from heaven, knowing exactly where she's at. And she's blessed to know that God was watching her. One of the things that's tough when you're going through trials, man, you get to feeling like nobody sees. You get to feeling like nobody understands. I mean, here Job is surrounded only by people that can only make things worse. You ever had a day like that? <laughs> you ever had a day where the only people around you were people that knew how to make it worse? I'm going to preach a series one of these days to try to help God's people on miserable comforters. Because some people would win an Olympic medal in it. That's what Job says to his friends. Miserable comforters are you all. I, I think that sometimes we uh, give a, a raw deal to, to Job's wife, but certainly the things she says, though they may be understandable in some ways, they certainly were not said to edify Job. And his friends that gather around him are there only to pick him apart like vultures and criticize and analyze everything in his life. And no doubt this man felt completely isolated and alone. No doubt he felt like there wasn't a single solitary soul around that saw what he was going through that understood what he was feeling. But you know, there was a God in heaven that saw. So how do you know that, preacher? Because he gives us the record of it. And sometimes we'll say, now, preacher, if I just knew, if people just, if I had somebody that understood. i got to tell you something, you do have somebody that understands. But having human empathy, you say, preacher, that's what I need. No, that's not what you need. That's not what you need. He didn't know. He didn't know the record of his trial. And then I'd say this, and we'll move on. He didn't know the remedy for his trial. He says an interesting thing down in chapter 23. Let me read it to you. Verse 3, 4, and 5. He says, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. He's talking about the Lord. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. That I might come even to his seat. He says, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me. And understand what he would say unto me. Here's what Job's saying. He's saying, all right, you've convinced me that God's my only hope. He said, but I don't even know where to find God. I, I, there'll be times in your life you'll get so lost in your trials that you'll lose how to find him. I, and I, I don't mean you won't know that prayer works. And I don't mean that you won't know that you can read your Bible. But it's possible for a heart to get so despondent that you go to those things with no will to really hear his voice in the first place. And here is Job, a man who had prayed continually, had worshipped the Lord, had offered burnt offerings continually. This is not a man that is unacquainted with worship. We come to chapter 23 and he says, I just don't even know where to find God anymore. In other words, he was saying, I have no solution to the things that I'm facing. I don't know how to fix it. I can't raise my children. I, I, I can't rebuild my house. I can't raise my livestock. I can't do any of those things. I can't restore my, my health. And, and upon all of it, I can't even find the God that can do those things. I don't know about you. I, I'm this way. I do pretty, I, I do pretty good if I got a plan. I like having a plan. It can be a bad plan. As long as it's not no plan. I like having some course, some answer. 
one of the things that all of us young people are going to know by experience, but I have learned by being a pastor, by observation, and watching older people go through health struggles. Let me tell you something. This is a a public service announcement for all you young people. Here's your perspective on medicine and health and things like that now. You think to yourself, there's a problem with my body. I'll go to a doctor. They'll find You think it's like fixing your car. They'll find out what's wrong. They'll give me the medicine, and I will be better. What you find out when you get older, and I, again, I don't know it by experience, although I'm, I'm getting there in a hurry, but I've, I've learned it just by association with, it, it, it's, it's a little less like trying to fix your car and a little bit more like trying to herd cats. What gets this and in knocks this and out. The medicine that fixes this breaks that. And sometimes the thing that you'll find is, when you go in, there ain't no good answer. There ain't no remedy. You'll go, you'll say, Doc, what's wrong with me? They'll say, this is what's wrong with me. You'll say, what can I do? They'll say, quit getting old. <laughs> and there's just simply no remedy for it. That's very, very, I think, uncomfortable, particularly for us as young people. Because we live in a world where right now we walk in our own strength and we feel like if there's a problem, we can fix it. Just give me a plan, give me a course, give me a path, I'll figure it out, I'll make it happen, I'll, I'll affect some change, just let me know what the plan is. i tell you something, you're going to go through times in your life, you ain't going to see a clear path. You ain't going to know what the solution is. You're going to go through things and you may be surrounded. Job's friend's problem was not that they didn't have the answer, is that they didn't hush when they didn't have the answer. The truth is, Job didn't have the answer. His friends didn't have the answer. His wife didn't have the answer. But Job was the only one with sense enough to just sit down in the ashes and hush and worship when he couldn't understand. The times that Job did seek to speak were times that he made missteps. But for the vast majority of time, Job just quietly said, "I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm going through it. I don't know what's caused it. I don't know if I've angered God. I don't know if that's how God deals with men. I I don't understand any of it. I just know I'm right here in this darkness. I just, I don't know what I'd do to fix it. I don't know what I could do to resolve this problem. And sometimes we'll think, you know, if I just knew what the answer was, if I just knew what the remedy was, then somehow, you know, you think about the lottery racket. That's what the lottery is. It's a racket. You say, hey, you know, preacher, because... People that buy lottery tickets ain't rich. So it's a racket. Amen. And that's part of the, uh, with, with the lottery racket, what does that feed upon? It feeds upon the notion that people think all the problems would be fixed if they just had more money. But the problem is, that lottery ticket ain't going to get them more money. <laughs> if I just had a remedy, if I just had an answer, if I just knew what to do. But the truth is, oftentimes there is not an immediate remedy, at least not within our ability but sometimes even beyond that you know what the remedy was for job was faith and patience had he known that that was the case it still wouldn't have alleviated what he was going through i see that what job did not know was immense but then turn over with me to chapter 19 very familiar passage of scripture if you're a student of the bible you could probably even begin to quote the passage that i'm going to because job there are some things that he did not know some things he could not know some things that we think if we did know It would be enough. And yet when we come to the close of the book of Job, he has not only stood fast and survived, but I would say this, you come to those closing verses, he's even thrived after his 
trial. So evidently, though, he didn't know some things. The things he did know were enough. What were some things that he knew? Well, you know, it's interesting. The word know can be found 72 times in the book of Job. We're not going to look at every one of them. Don't get nervous, amen. But uh, there is one very familiar passage of Scripture where he states unequivocally some things that he knows. Job chapter 19, verse 25. Job says this, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. Mine eyes shall behold, not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Preacher, if I just knew. No, let me tell you what you need to know. Let me say, number one, he knew a truth about his Redeemer. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. I can't explain to you how Job knew everything that he did know about this. Certainly it would have been passed down the notion of the promised seed that would uh, bruise the head of the serpent. But in some way, in some fashion, maybe by direct revelation of the Holy Spirit, maybe through some other means that God's Word does not give us entrance to, somehow he knew about the idea, the notion, the concept of a Redeemer. Now, somebody's going to say, now, wait a minute, preacher. All he's saying is somebody's going to come along and help me. No, he's saying more than just somebody's going to come along and help me. He's talking about a somebody that will come along and help humanity. You say, how do you know that, preacher? Because he describes later how that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. The term latter day is not a generic term. He's talking about the end days. Somehow Job peered down uh, through the holes of, of, of prophecy and saw that one day uh, the uh, enrobed and, and the crowned Savior would stand and reign in this world. Yeah, let me say it this way. He understood this. Though his life seemed to perish around him, God was still living. He understood that the Lord was unchanged. He says earlier when they first bring him news about all of the destruction that takes place and his health fails him and everything in his life has fallen to pieces. In chapter 2, he makes uh, this statement to his wife. He says, shall we receive good at the hand of God? Shall we not receive Evil. In other words, he said, my perspective of God is not predicated on my circumstances. I don't think he's a good God when good things happen and he's a bad God when bad things happen. I recognize that whether good or bad happens in my life, that doesn't change who God is. I know that he is always immutably the same. I can't promise you you won't have a Job year. I can't tell you that you won't bury children or bury parents or bury a spouse this next year. I can't tell you that that you won't this next year find financial ruin or your health in shambles. But I can promise you this. The same God that reigned over 2022 is going to reign over 2023. You say, preacher, you don't know what may happen. I don't know and you don't know and you don't need to know. And I don't have to know to tell you what you do need to know, which is that God knows all and he never changed. You say, preacher, what did he know? Well, he knew about a redeemer. He knew that he was alive, that he was working, that he was powerful. But then number two, he knew about a return. He said this, I know that my redeemer liveth. Well, that's good. I'm glad God's doing all right up in heaven. Well, no, not just that. That he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Contained within this is the perspective and notion of a world set right. I can't wait till the millennial kingdom. 
I'm serious, man. I, I can't wait. I think about it. I think about it more now than I've ever thought about it. I think to myself, I don't know what it's going to be like to be able to trust politicians. That's going to be a weird sensation, you know, something I've never felt. Amen. I don't know what it's going to be like to just walk up and down streets of righteousness. I don't know what it's going to be like to know things are being run well and done well in this world and that righteousness and justice is prevailing and that the one that sits upon the throne is impeccably righteous. I don't know what that will be like, but I'm looking forward to finding out. I can't wait because one of the things he's going to do, Isaiah tells us, is he's going to order his kingdom and he's going to establish his kingdom. I can't wait for the Lord to show up and set things in order. I can't wait for him to set things right. I can't wait for him to set things how they ought to be. And I think Job understood that everything that was wrong in his life, God would one day somehow set right. I'm not telling you that heaven erases the bad things that you go through, but I am telling you it outshines it. I'm not telling you that, and certainly God will wipe away all tears from our eyes on that day. I'm not saying that that it can somehow replace the pain and the hurt, but I can say it will outpace it. I can say that heaven will be worth it all. And Job, despite everything he was going through, he didn't know if this life would ever make good on it, but he knew one day that God would make good on it. And I can't promise you that you'll get justice for the hurts you felt in this life. I can't promise that you'll get restitution for the things that you've lost in this life. But I can promise you this. There's a God that's going to lower every mountain and raise every valley and straighten every crooked curve. And that's enough. That's enough. Man, he knew about a Redeemer. He knew about a return. But then I like this. Verse 26, he says this. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Yet in my flesh shall I see God. He doesn't talk about another man or another form or another notion here. He says, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. He knew about a Redeemer. And I tell you, you can face anything you got to face if you got a relationship with Christ and you know who he is. He knew about a return. You say, preacher, I just can't bear up knowing all the wickedness and and rottenness in this world. But there's coming a day. Hey, there's a God of this world right now. But one of these days, the God of the universe is going to show up. And he's going to take his seat on his throne in Jerusalem. But let me say, number three, he knew about a resurrection. I don't know how. I can't explain how. Uh, Certainly there are hints at it earlier in Scripture. But really, to be honest... The gospel being preached unto Abraham and the figures being shown in type in the life of Isaac, it's as likely that came shortly after the life of Job as it came during the life of Job. We really don't know. And certainly it would not have been promulgated around. And I don't know. I don't know how he knew it. But somehow he understood this truth that one of these days, this clay, this tabernacle, you say, preacher, how did he know it? I, you know, maybe he just deduced it. Here's a man sitting there hurting. It ain't hard to hope for heaven when you hurt all the time. And here's a man, he, he's just hurting. And he knows, knowing God and knowing how God is, that God's going to make everything right one day. And maybe he just looked down at the boils on his flesh and said, if he's going to make all of that okay, I reckon he's also going to make all this okay too. 
And he understood that one of these days, not just the external affliction we experience, but the internal affliction as well is going to be addressed. He understood, and he says in no uncertain terms, after my skin, worms destroy this body. He's not speaking figuratively. He's saying this body. He says one of these days this body is going to be destroyed. You say, well, preacher, he'll be a disembodied spirit then. No, that's not what he says. He says, yet in my flesh shall I see God. By the way, he doesn't say in flesh. He says in my flesh. You know, the only thing that can explain this is New Testament truth. Because Paul makes this abundantly clear in Philippians. He says that this this vile body shall be made like unto his glorious body. He says that the same body will be sown in corruption, but raised in incorruption. I hate to tell you this. This is going to break some of y'all's hearts. But some of us are going to be as ugly in heaven as we are down here. This body will be glorified, will be transformed, will be made like unto his resurrection body. Now, if you just yawn at that, it's because you ain't hurting. But when you go through some pain, when you go through some affliction, when you feel your body bend and creak beneath the weight of age, you'll learn to appreciate the fact that one of these days, you ain't going to have to live forever in this current station and status. One of these days, you'll put off this tabernacle, and when you put it back on, it'll be a lot better house than the one that you left. He knew about a resurrection. Let me say, not only do we see what Job didn't know was immense, but we notice that what Job did know was enough. And finally this morning, I just want to in passing make three statements. Not about what Job did or didn't know, but about something else that he found comfort in. Go to verse chapter 23, just a few pages over. Job chapter number 23. And we we read a little bit out of this chapter earlier in the message. Job has already said in verse 3 that he can't find God. That though he tries to look for God, he doesn't know where to find Him. I I don't know. I, I don't think Job is so dumb to not look for Him at the altar. He probably looked for Him there. I don't think Job is so dumb to not to not look for Him in the ash pile. He probably looked for Him there. But everywhere he looked for God, he just he couldn't find Him. Then he says this in verse 8. He says, Behold, I go forward. He's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work. Why is he working on the left hand? Because it's his right hand. I'm glad to know that what's my left hand is his right hand. You know, I'm a right-hander, right? Because I'm I'm not, well, I'm right-handed. I ain't left-handed. If I go do anything with my left hand, I might as well be doing it with my feet. Amen? But I'm glad to know what my left hand can't do, his right hand is there to do. He says, on on the left hand where he doth work, he says, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Then he says this, verse 10, but he knoweth. Job says, there's a lot I don't know. There's a few things I do know. But then there's some things that God knows. And he says this, he knoweth. The way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Let me make this closing statement. What God knows is everything. Now, I don't just simply mean that he knows everything. But I mean that what we know is enough. Right? But you say, preacher, I'm not enough. No, you're not enough. But he's enough. 
And when we learn to rest in what He knows, there we find the peace. See, here's where the disconnect happens. We say, if I knew this, I'd feel better. But that's not the truth. And then the preacher gets up and says, what you do know is enough. And you say, then why don't I feel better? Because the key is not in what you know. It's in what he knows. Until you learn to rest in what he knows, then you won't find the peace that your heart craves. What did he know? He knew three things. One, God knew Job's situation. He says this, he knoweth the way that I take. Job didn't know if anybody knew. But then it dawns on him, you know, somebody knows. God knows what I'm going through. You may not know what the next few steps hold, and likely you don't. If we're to be honest, no man knows what tomorrow may hold. And you may be surrounded by people that are totally dense and imperceptible to the things you're going through. But can I just encourage you to say God knows. You say, preacher, if I just knew somebody knew and cared, well, let me comfort you this morning in saying that somebody knows and somebody cares. He knew Job's situation. Let me say number two. He knew Job's limitations. He said this when he hath tried me. He didn't say when he hath broken me. He said when he hath tried me. Now Job had already made his mind up. He said though he slay me. Yet will I trust in him. But Job has the confidence. That God's not trying to destroy him. God's trying to develop him. You know, any time that you're testing something or trying something, the purpose is to bring it right up to the boundary of its breaking point. But if what you're testing, you only have one of, you don't want to go beyond that because you don't want to break it and destroy it. Can I say I'm glad God knows where our limitations are? How many times have you and I cried out and said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. It's too much. Can I tell you, he knows you better than you know you. You think it's too much, but he knows what we can bear. He knows what we can take. Preacher, I just can't go no further. Yes, you can, because God will walk with you. Preacher, I just can't take no more. Yes, you can, because God will carry your burden. Preacher, I just can't live in it no more. Yes, you can, because the life of Christ will live through you as you lean upon him. He knows your limitation. And then notice this last thought. He knew his destination. When he hath tried me, what does Job say? I shall come forth as gold. God knew what that would look like. God knew when that would be. God didn't try him just out of pure sadistic curiosity. God didn't test him just out of some sense of of boredom or disinterest. God was very deliberately working in Job's life. Can I say God's just as deliberately working in your life and in my life? The fuller with the silver takes the silver and throws it in to burn away all the dross and to bring a pure final product. And so likewise in your life and mine, God isn't destroying you. He's developing you. You say, preacher, it's going to be too much. I'm going to perish. No, you're going to be perfected. He's working to bring out things in your life. He's working to take things out of your life that can't be taken out in any other way. Don't you think the fuller would scrape out the dross if he could? It has to be burned away. There's things you won't let go of without the fire. Things that you won't let God do without Him doing that. You say, preacher, who are you to say? Oh, just an old broken, stubborn, hard-headed, and strong-willed individual just like you that sometimes God has to stick in the fire. To get the things out of my life. And then there's some things that can only be brought 
to the forefront through our suffering. So here's what I encourage you at this morning. Preacher, I don't know what this next year holds. Me neither. I don't know what's going to happen to you. I'm not going to promise you that you won't get sick. I ain't going to promise you you won't lose a loved one. I ain't going to promise you that you won't go bankrupt or any of those things. If you want somebody to promise you that, go turn on Creflo Dollar. He'll tell you all those things. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't know any more than he knows. He's just after your money. (laughs) I've just learned money ain't worth nothing no more. I can't promise you any of those things, but I can promise you this. If you'll quit chasing after the things you think you need to know, stand firm on the things that you already know and learn to rest in the things that he knows, then you'll have the strength that you need for whatever this year may hold. Let's bow together this morning as a musician comes to play. I I don't know what God may have done in your heart this morning. I could imagine a myriad of ways that the Lord could have made application. And rather than go through and try to hit on just the right one, can I just ask you to be obedient to the Lord? God spoke to your heart. Would you meet Him in this altar? Whatever it is that He's dealing with you about, He would not have done that for no reason. So why don't you slip out of your seat and come find a place? You won't be the first. There's already plenty down here. Why don't you find a place at this altar and just bow your head and heart before God. Let Him have His will and His way in your life. Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name.